Hey guys, this is Pastor Marcus Kelly over here at the exciting Grace Baptist Church, and I am so excited that you chose to join us tonight for our Bible study. Uh, before we get started, I want to make sure that you know that you're invited to join us this Sunday as we have three worship services this Sunday, 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We're going to uh, work our nursery back into our rotation. We'll have nursery available in all three services this Sunday as we continue our phase plan to restarting at Grace. And, and listen, guys, go ahead and take a moment right now. I want you to share this video. If you haven't liked our page, Grace Baptist Church uh, on Facebook, go ahead and like that page. Share this video so as many of our friends and family uh, will be able to see it. Hit that like button. And so again, so all of our church family can see it. So I'm excited to spend this time together tonight in God's Word. Let's go ahead and get started. All right, guys, thank you again for joining us for our Bible study. Uh, I, I look forward to this time together each and every week. Again, don't forget to like and share uh, so that all of our church uh, family knows that we're going live right now. You know, one time I heard a story about a man who took his daughter uh, up on Lookout Mountain. You're familiar with Lookout Mountain. It was a beautiful, clear day, and suddenly the little girl, she cried out, and she said, Daddy, I can see further than my eyes can see. I can see further than my eyes can see. You know, I really wish that our churches, many of them would be filled with people like that, like that little girl who desire to see further than their eyes can see. Now tonight, we're gonna be in Numbers uh, chapter 13, chapter 14. So if you've got your Bible, grab your Bible and turn to Numbers chapter 13. Take some notes tonight. But you know, doctors tell us uh, and when it comes to the human brain, uh, that uh, th there's a part of our mind that plays the greatest role in achievement is the part of the brain that can imagine, that the part of the brain that can visualize. God created the human brain with two distinct parts, each having different functions. You, you've heard of the left brain and the right side of the brain, right? The left side of the brain is basically concerned with logic and speech. The left side of the brain thinks, right? The right side of the brain is more influenced, or more has to do with intuition and creativity. It knows, right? It knows. It is visual in orientation. Uh, we now know that we tend to cultivate, uh, cultivate, cultivate the left side of the brain much more than we do the right side. We spend years developing the part of the brain that reasons and memorizes and learns, but almost no time is given uh, to developing the immense potential of that part of the mind that gives birth to what we're calling this Bible study tonight, what gives birth to vision. We need to cultivate the visionary part of our thinking. You know, Helen Keller, you've heard of Helen Keller before and all the physical challenges that she had. Uh, she said the greatest tragedy in life is to have sight without vision. To have sight without vision. Now, as we come to the passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at tonight, though, right here in the book of Numbers, I want to remind you that the people of Israel had been delivered from four centuries of bondage and slavery in Egypt, and they'd seen God part an entire sea, destroy an entire army, army, feed an entire nation with manna from heaven. 
right? And then chapter 12, verse 16, right before where we're going to be, in Numbers 12, 16, it says, And afterward, these people moved from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. In the wilderness of Paran. Now, that's right on the edge of Canaan. Now, here they were. Right? This is the promised land. And they're positioned for victory. They're poised for victory. They've been promised victory. All they got to do is claim their Canaan. But I want you to know this. They did not have vision. They could not see it. So they did not do it. Because they couldn't see it, they didn't do it. Now, I want also want to remind you, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Word of God tells us that all these things, these things in the Old Testament were given to us as believers to be an example for us. So in our study tonight, there's some things here, some principles that we need to learn. Or like the, a, a, some wise person once said, right, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. We don't want to make the same mistakes as those in the past. Now, I believe our nation, I mean, our church is really like the nation of Israel, <clears throat> right, in a lot of ways. That even in these difficult days, while uh, Israel saw the hand of God working and moving in their life, Grace Baptist Church, man, we can say the same thing, right? While we've had online-only services or drive-in services, God has still been blessing our church in almost every way that you can imagine. There are people that have been saved. Uh, we, we even had a baptism. There are people that are wanting to be a part of the church family. We've had guests and visitors with us constantly. This past Sunday, our first Sunday back in the sanctuary, since this global pandemic happened, uh, we had nine visitor cards turned in, you know, representing over 20 people, the first time visitors and guests right there to Grace Baptist Church. Now, I believe with all my heart that once we get back to full strength, full steam ahead in the weeks ahead, that what we're going to find out is that our church family actually grew during a global pandemic. Coronavirus can't stop God and it can't stop the church that God is calling to move forward. So again, I believe our church is kind of like the nation of Israel in our text, that we're poised for victory, we're positioned for victory, and God has promised us the victory as we are faithful. So I believe over the next few weeks and over the next few months and even the next few years, we can, we can claim our Canaan if we've got the vision to see it. Now, the first thing that we're going to see uh, in this passage uh, tonight is that there was the wrong majority. Write that, write that down. The wrong majority. Right? Uh, the majority is not always right. Now, the background to the story, look at Numbers 13 and verse 1. Numbers 13 and verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am given to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Israel. Listen, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, all men are not created equal. <laughs> I mean, all men are created equal in the sight of God, but they're not made up of the same stuff because while all these were men that were chosen, these are all men who leaders, there was the majority and there was the minority and the majority was wrong. Now, I want you to keep in mind, the spies were not sent out to bring back an opinion. When they sent the spies out, it wasn't they weren't going out to see Hey, do you think we should take the promised land? The spies weren't sent out to get an opinion. They were sent out to get a strategy 
on how do we do it, not if we should do it, right? Not whether they should take the lamb, but how they should take the lamb. One group was sent out, but they came back with two reports, a majority and a minority report. So first we're gonna hear this report from uh, the majority. Hey, the first thing I want you to see is they saw real giants. They saw real giants. Look at Numbers chapter 13 and look at verse 27. It says, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, who were the descendants of Anak? Now, Deuteronomy tells us that they were giants, that these giants were many, these giants were mighty, and they were real. Now, I wanna emphasize that. These are real giants, physically imposing specimens, powerful, mighty, numerous, savage, and absolutely fearless, right? And so, uh, you had this wrong majority but B, write this down. They had grasshopper mentalities. They had grasshopper mentalities. When they compared themselves with the giants, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. Numbers 13 verse 33 says, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now, if you're not careful, when you face giants in this life, you'll develop a, a grasshopper mentality, a grasshopper complex, That right? Uh, the majority of the group were wearing contract lenses. I heard a preacher say this one time, not contact lenses, but they were wearing contract lenses. They minimized God and they maximized the giants. They minimized God and they maximized the giants. When they looked through their contract lenses, that God was too weak, they were too small, the task was too difficult, and the giants were just too big. When you focus on your fears instead of your faith, when you focus on your foes rather than your heavenly father, you're gonna have a grasshopper mentality, man. Small-minded, right? You will say no when God says go. You will say no when God says go. Now notice their recommendation in verse 31. He says in Numbers 13, he says, but the men who had gone up with him, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Now there's this great principle and lesson that we need to learn right here. That whenever God gives people a vision, that whenever God leads in a certain direction, there will always be people to stand up and tell you why it cannot be done right? There's never, there's always going to be more than enough people to say, oh no, that will, that'll never work and give you reasons why you shouldn't do something. If you've been in a position of leadership, you know that it's true. Cynicism is contagious. And that's exactly what happens here in Numbers 14, verse 1 and 2. It says, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Oh, man. Give me a break, right? The wrong majority, you know, the grasshopper mentalities. But at least there was number two, the right minority. The right minority. There were two bold believers, Joshua and Caleb, and I love them. And this is their recommendation in verse 30. It says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Now, this is interesting. Both these groups, the majority reporting group, the Joshua and Caleb, both groups had traveled the same route. They'd seen the same view, but somehow they saw completely different things. 
One group saw the opportunities while the other group saw the obstacles. One group saw the greats and the other group saw the blessing. One group saw the blessings and the other group saw the burdens. You know, somebody's observed it. You can complain that a rose bush has thorns or you can rejoice that a thorn bush has roses. It's all in how you look at it. And there's a story I, I heard one time of three workmen that were hammering and chiseling away and cutting stones. And a man happened to walk by and he says to these three men, hey, what are you doing? And the first man said, eh, I'm just chipping away at a bit of stone. And the second guy said, well, I'm just trying to earn a living for me and my family. And, and the third guy answered and he said, I'm building a great cathedral. I'm building a great cathedral. Do you know what the difference was between the majority and the minority in this text that we're reading? The difference between the majority and the minority was vision. Vision. Now, don't get the impression that, you know, one group had positive thinking, blink, blink, right? One group had positive thinking and the other group didn't. That's not what it was. One of the greatest heresies that's around right now is this idea that if you can believe it, you can achieve it. Friend, it's just not so. You can believe all you want that if you flap your arms hard enough that you're going to fly, but you go out there and do it till your arms fall off and you will not fly. A little boy came home one time and told his dad, dad, I think I failed my math test. <laughs> and the dad said, son, that's negative thinking. You need to be positive. And the son said, okay, dad, I'm positive that I failed my math test. Right? And what these men had here was not just simply positive thinking. They had a vision. They had faith in that vision because that vision came from God. You're going to see these men had every reason to be bold. Why? Hey, write this down. Because it was God's plan. It wasn't their plan. It was God's plan. They were carrying out God's plan. Numbers 14 verse 8 says, But if the Lord delights in us, then he'll bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Going to Canaan was not their idea. It was God's idea. They didn't discover Canaan. They didn't accidentally stumble across Canaan. They've been led there. It was God's plan for them. And then you may as well just recognize and realize that in your life, that if you're going to follow God, that will mean going into a land sooner or later filled with giants. You'll go into a land filled with giants. But the people of Israel are going to learn the hard way. It's better to be at the center of God's will fighting giants than to be out of God's will right in the desert just eating dirt. It was God's plan. It was also, write this down, it was God's power. God's power. They were calling on the power of God. Look at verse nine. Numbers 14 verse nine says, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. <laughs> Caleb calls them, these are bread. We're going to eat them up. I love Caleb. The majority looked at the giants and said, you're so much bigger than us. And then Caleb looked at him and said, you're so much smaller than God is, right? I mean, if you get your attention on giants, you're going to think that you're a grasshopper. But if you get your attention and focus off the giants and get it on God, you'll recognize from God's view, those giants ain't nothing but grasshoppers. And Caleb said, we're going to eat them up. We're going to wear them out, right? As you go through life, you're going to have to face giants and you're going to have to fight them. But you don't have to fear them because they are there to help you. Giants are not there in your life to build fear. They're there to build your faith, 
you grow by eating giants. Giants are the breakfast of champions. Listen, that'd be a good place right there in the comments, right there below. Type in amen if let us know that you're there and that you agree you grow by eating giants. And Caleb was going to eat them up. Now, see, it was also God's promise. God's promise. They were claiming the promises of God. Numbers 13 in verse number two says, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. God says, I am giving this to them. He says, I am giving. Right, the reason why Joshua and Caleb had smiles on their faces because they had the deeds in their pocket. <laughs> the land was theirs, all they do is claim it. They weren't fighting for victory, they're fighting from victory, right? They're asked to go out and fight a war that had already been won. Also, it was, write this down, it was God's protection. God's protection, they were clinging to God. In other words, Caleb's like, we're gonna eat them up, but not because of us, but because of God. Look again at verse nine, it says, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. He's saying their protection is left, but ours is just showing up. They got the size. We've got the strength. They've got the physical advantage. We've got the spiritual advantage. They've got everything. Uh, they have everything but God. We've got nothing but God. And that's enough. God plus one is a majority because, write this down, it was God's presence. God's presence that we're counting on the presence of God. And again, in verse nine says, their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them, right? The giants had everything that they wanted, but the people of Israel had the only thing they needed, God Almighty, right? I wanna tell you that when you face giants in your life, no matter how big, how bad, how brutal they may seem to be, remember this, Psalm 27 in verse number one, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? They're nothing but bread. Verse two, when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemy and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this, I will be confident. I mean, there's a wonderful promise from God's word. So there was the wrong majority, but you had the right minority, but the people chose to listen to the wrong ones. And that gave them number three. They were going to live in this ongoing sorrow for the rest of their lives. They're going to live with this ongoing sorrow for the rest of their lives. Now, this passage teaches us that we should never take our cues from the wrong crowd. The majority can sometimes be wrong. In 1939, Gallup took a poll and asked the American people how many of them would buy this newfangled gadget called the television. Now, only excuse me, only 16% of Americans say they, at the time, said that they would buy a television. Yet in the next 30 years, they bought over 175 million TV sets. And if the TV industry had waited for a majority vote of confidence, we'd all still be listening to the radio. But because in this instance, because the people took their cues, the nation of Israel from the uh, uh, from the crowd, from the majority, instead of being Canaan conquerors, they were wilderness wanderers. Instead of being Canaan conquerors, they were wilderness wanderers. Look at Numbers 14, verse 33, he says, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years and bear the uh, brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spy out the land, 40 days for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. 
these people wandered, weakened, and they finally wilted in the wilderness one day, right? One year for every one day that they had sent spies into the land of Canaan. One year of drought for every day of doubt. One year of drought for every day of doubt. They spent 40 years of hell on earth. Why? Because they did not believe God, period. End of story. Right, and so what we have here, and we're going to move through this quickly, but we see uh, in the remainder of this chapter the chain reaction of rebellion. The first thing is disbelief. Right, they didn't believe God. So number one is disbelief. In Numbers fourteen twenty two, it says, "Because all these men who have seen my glory, they saw my glory, and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and put me to the test now these ten times, and have not heeded my voice." God had given His word that they could claim, they could conquer every square inch of Canaan of the promised land and they never even got their foot in the door because they did not believe the word of God. Disbelief. Now disbelief leads to number two, disappointment. Disappointment. Numbers 14, 23 says, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. They never eat of the fat and drink of the sweet. They were never going to pluck the grapes and eat the fruit, right? They were going to live in disappointment. And that disappointment leads to number three, defeat. Defeat, right? Disbelief leads to disappointment. Disappointment leads to defeat. Numbers chapter 14, verse 39 says, Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain, saying, Here we are. We'll go up to the place. See, they're like, Okay, we didn't believe, but we're going to believe now. We're going to go do it. We're going to go take it, right? We'll go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up lest you be defeated by your enemies. For the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are before you. And you shall fall by the sword because you have turned away from the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. But they presumed, presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, nevertheless neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, nor Moses departed from the camp. They thought they could still go against the word of God and they could do things their way. They thought they could do it their way, but they couldn't and they were defeated. They refused to enter the promised land by faith. So then they failed to do it by force. They thought they could do it by force. No, defeat. And defeat leads finally to number four, death. Death. Look at verse 35. It, says, I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. Not believing God is evil. In this wilderness, they shall be consumed and there they shall die. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land. Those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive of the men who went out to spy the land. I mean, every grave was a reminder that God means what he says, that it pays to obey. Doubt brings drought. 
Now, Grace Baptist Family, God has brought us a long way in these last few years together. I mean, think of all the good things that God has done right in our midst of our church family. And think of all the good things that God is leading us to do in the future. I mean, even right now, very, very soon, you'll begin to see progress made on our building program right there around Grace. As we build a family life center with our full-size gym so we can minister to kids and children and teenagers and families, right? A new kitchen, room to gather together as a church family and fellowship, additional educational space that can be used as a tool to reach multiplied hundreds and thousands for Christ. When we double the current seating capacity in our sanctuary and so much more where families and couples and singles and teenagers and children and senior citizens can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, where the word of God can be magnified and God can receive the worship that he is due. And we know that even as we look at our next step uh, right there at Grace Baptist Church, as we step out in faith, we know that God has even bigger plans than these for us as we continue to reach West Tennessee, America, and the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. I can see it. Can you see it? Do you believe it? I want to be part, right, of the courageous minority who will follow God by faith. And in the years to come, Grace Baptist Church, let's claim our Canaan land together and give God the glory for the good things that he has done, that he is doing, and that he will do in the future. Listen, guys, uh, I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. I want to encourage you to be praying for each other. Pray for our church. Pray for the Chester County community uh, with the tragedies that, that have struck. And I don't need to explain those things to you. For those who need healing, lift those families up, lift the community up, lift our church family up, and, uh, and, and pray that we will be on mission for Christ. Will you join me with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you again for your word and your truth. Lord, we thank you for vision. God, that you have get, have a calling on our lives. And Lord, I just pray that we will be that courageous minority that steps forward and says, yes, Lord, and we trust you even when there's giants in our way, but we will focus on you. Lord, be with those families that are hurting and mourning and those young people who are hurting and mourning, all those in the Chester County community, Lord, those who need a special touch of healing, God, those in our church family who are recovering from procedures and surgeries and those who are sick, God, I just pray that you'll move in a big way and that you'll get glory out of all of this. Lord, and again, help us to be who you've called us to be. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen, amen. Listen, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you haven't yet, don't forget to like and share this stream. And I'll see you Sunday, three services, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Come this Sunday and find your place in grace. God bless you.